In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about a dick pat versus a love pat, having your boobs and dick out, dry humping in the kitchen, the appropriate use of super glue, watching someone sleep, and staying hydrated. In our discussion of Definitely Dead by Charlene Harris. Welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss Definitely Dead by Charlene Harris. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book, then come back. If you haven't done this, but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Mint. Hey. Hey. Ho. Hey. Ho. I'm so excited to talk about this one. I know, me too. Hey. Ho. Have you me got a little tiger? Me too. That's nice. I'm it's glad you have a not tiger. Quinn. It's Rory, but still. It's close. I am the tiger. It's all you have. That's fine. That song always makes me think of Dean Winchester lip syncing in the hey. car. Exactly, exactly. Because if you're not thinking about Dean Winchester, you're wrong. If you're not thinking about Dean Winchester, then you're thinking about Sam Winchester. And if you're not thinking about either of them, you're dead. Yeah, you're an alien (laughs) ghost. Or a ghost alien, who can say? Who can say? Nobody knows what we're talking about, Claire, because we were talking about that before we started recording. (laughs) 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 Ask us at book club. Yes, please do. (laughs) And then we'll know if you've watched the show. (laughs) Okay, does Annie count with an emoji reaction as the contact from from starting to record? I don't know, because I don't get notifications when we have reactions, so... Mm, That just lit up my screen. Mm. It didn't make a sound, though, so... Mm Hmm... It's poised. Anywho, background info on the topic at hand. Yes. So I found an interview on fantasymagazine.com and they were asking about part of Charlene Harris's bibliography, which lists a piece she wrote called An Evening with Al Gore. And they ask, can you tell us what that's about? Oh my, is this safe? Is this... It's uh... ecological horror. Okay. And she says she just loves that story. It was really different for me. It's about some supernatural creatures who are really struck by Al Gore's arguments in favor of recycling and turning the world around. And they carry it to a very extreme degree. Now, I mentioned this one. One, because it's impossible to find any interviews about the specific books two because i know that we said for our live episode we were going to do a story from the sookie series but what if we did this one instead that (laughs) my dear is is a bad idea (laughs) 
Because then we can save my favourite Suki short for Halloween. We can. Or we just find something completely different. But whatever it is, we need to decide soon. We do, we do. Can I give some background information as well that I read today? You can. Is it about the story that this refers to and no one really knows about that? Yes. It is from, and she holds the book up, The Complete Suki Stackhouse Stories. And there's a little blurb before every one of the short stories. And Mm -hmm. I was reading it today. Um, And she says, One Word Answer is one of the first stories I ever wrote. The idea was born when I pictured a car sweeping up to our favourite barmaid's humble house back in the woods of Louisiana at night, of course. It took some serious thinking for me to imagine who might be in the car and what we would learn about Suki and the world from this encounter. Since Hadley is essential to the narrative of the book, this is the important bit, I afterward discovered it was a mistake to introduce her in a short story. Ever since, readers have asked me, did I miss something? All around the story was the learning experience, but I was aiming for creepy and mysterious, and I hope I got there. Well, Mrs. Harris, you may have, but this, that entire thing really will encompass my discussion points of, I didn't think it was in this book. <laughs> yeah. I'm being confused. Yes. But there we go. I thought that was uh, interesting. You, you don't put major plot points in short stories. No, it's like with the last one or the one before, and we were like, who the fuck is Claude? I mean, even though we know who Claude is. But Claude yes. was just like a name drop, and you're like, wait a minute. Yes. Who's Claude? Did I miss something? Yeah, and then this one, it's Cousin Hadley. Oh, Hadley's a vampire who was dating the queen of Louisiana. Oh, and now she's also dead. Yeah. What? Which is, I mean, I know you're going to ask me what my initial thoughts were, and that's exactly this. It's like, I remembered this one, at least I thought I did, but then I realised, not for the reasons that I thought. I was remembering the short story more than this book. There are elements that after I read it, I was like, oh yeah, but I was remembering the short story more than I was remembering this actual full novel. I, my initial thoughts are similar, except for the fact that I didn't, read the short story nothing of this one was familiar to me at all except for the fact that I knew about what happens at the end but yes and I know what you're going to refer to yeah but yes. there's some interesting things that happen in this book and I feel like did I just skip this one no because it's the big revelation there's two that's things. true there's the accident like, and there's the big revelation and I remember those distinctly, but I more remember the murder mystery and the death of Hadley, which is not a spoiler to the summary coming ahead, than all of this. Yeah. So we'll have to talk more about how we don't remember anything or how we didn't remember anything about this book. <laughs> Memories! So anyway, let's get started, shall we? Yeah. Yes. It's been several weeks since Suki got shot by a shifter sniper and witnessed the Shreveport Packmaster Challenge. Now she's with Claude, her fairy friend, doing a romance novel cover shoot. The photographer and his assistant, Maria Starr of the Shreveport Pack, are trying to get Suki to gaze lustfully at Claude, which is tough because Claude is gay and Suki isn't attracted to him. 
She thinks back on some of her other handsome love interests to try to spark some good photos, but Bill's dating someone else, and also, you know, the R word, which she just seems to forget about all the time. Eric is too dangerous. Alcide is dating Maria Star, and Sam is her boss. But, oh, what about... Sexy Quinn, who recently licked her leg. <gasps> That'll do. Now let's all take a moment to think about Quinn. <sighs> okay, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. After the photo shoot, Suki goes to work at Merlot's. Bill is there without his new girlfriend and asks Suki where she's going to go to New Orleans to go through her cousin Hadley's belongings. She learned that her cousin, who had been dating the Queen of Louisiana, was killed by one of the Queen's men called Waldo. <laughs> they don't really have very striking names. They don't. Do they? they really don't. This happened when they were going to sneak out to Marie Laveau's ghost. Hadley, pretty much the only family Suki has apart from Jason, hasn't been in Suki's life for a long time. She hasn't been in her own life either since, it turns out, she was a vampire. But now she's no longer amongst the living or the undead and Suki is the recipient of her things. Suki doesn't know when she's going to go, but Bill offers to go with her whenever that is. Mm. After talking to Bill, Suki is put down by a priest who frowns upon her talking so much with a vampire. But then he asks her to talk with Debbie Pelt's parents about Debbie's disappearance. Oh, fucking Debbie Pelt. Suki doesn't want anything to do with Debbie, so she says no. There's nothing else to talk about, and she really doesn't want to. This makes the priest even more disappointed, but fuck that guy. Then Quinn walks into the bar. And fuck that guy too, but in a different, sexier way. Oh my god, it's just a complete thirst trap today. It is. <sighs> Quinn asks if he can see Suki at her house after work, and she agrees. I think that's the end of my inappropriate things to say about Quinn. It really isn't. No, that was a lie. It was 100% a lie. <laughs> I know what's coming. <laughs> that's a lie. You know what's coming? <laughs> Hang on. Oh, Hang on, it's no, coming. No, no. Hang on, it's coming. <laughs> have we all got our water for the rest? We all need to make sure we hydrate today. <laughs> we do. We do. Quinn follows Suki home, which isn't quite remodelled after the fire, but it's nearly done, and asks her two things. One, can they date? And two, will she work the upcoming Vampire Summit for the Queen of Louisiana? Yes, they can begin dating, and they plan to go to see a play. As for the Vampire Summit, well, she was supposed to work for Eric that event... The Queen supersedes Eric, so it seems that she'll have to let him down. 
Suki learns that Quinn is a supernatural event planner, which is a very interesting job, and he handles events such as the Packmaster Challenge, this upcoming summit, and smaller things like soup weddings. Quinn gives Suki a kiss on the cheek and leaves. Such a gentle. I know. He asks permission. He does. He, he respects her body autonomy. He does. The next day at Merlot's, Suki helps Andy Belfleur propose to his girlfriend. Haley agrees, but only if they can live on their own instead of in the Belfleur mansion. Later, Pam calls Suki on Eric's behest and summons her to Fantasia on Friday. Too bad, that's the day she's going out with Quinn, so Eric will just have to deal. Pam doesn't think this is going to go well, and Suki worries that Eric will blackmail her with his knowledge about freaking Debbie Pelt. Later that night, Suki feels someone in the woods outside her house. Whoever it is is not a vampire since she can sense them, and she hurriedly locks the doors and windows, then rushes to her bedroom. Soon enough, the unknown visitor leaves. I'm glad she just goes and like hides under her bed. Gets under the covers. Yeah. She hides under the duvet. The du- yes, you've got you've got to have a good duvet to hide under. Sorry, I'm busy giggling at Pam because of the way she's like, oh, I gotta tell him that he's gonna you know going. This is gonna be excellent. I know. I love Pam. I wish Pam she was in more. Loves, oh yeah, she loves the drama. She does. It's her superpower. The next day, Suki goes to Tara's shop to find something to wear on her date with Quinn. And while she's there, she overhears Portia Belfler picking out wedding dresses. She is getting married to an accountant, so is planning a double ceremony with Andy and Haley. Tara is pleased by this, of course, because the Belflers are loaded thanks to a great, great, great grandpa, Bill. Suki finds a nice outfit for her date and heads back home. Mm. Jason goes to Suki's later, and he's terribly worried. Crystal, his were-panther girlfriend, miscarried and refuses to go to a doctor. But Jason says she won't stop bleeding, and he doesn't know what else to do. He remembered that Suki was treated by an unusual doctor when she was attacked by the Maynad, so he came to her for help. Suki finds Dr. Amy Ludwig in the phone book and gives her a call. (laughs) Soon enough, Dr. Ludwig is at Suki's, brought by one of the werewolves from the Shreveport pack, Amanda. Suki leaves them with Jason and heads to work. Suki is upset to learn that Debbie Pelt's parents and sister are in Sam's office waiting for her with the priest. Freaking Debbie Pelt! No means no, but apparently not in this case. Mm -mm, No. No. Suki learns that Debbie's sister, Sandra, the one their parents prefer, is a werewolf. Well, that's odd. Turns out the Pelts can't have children of their own and decided to adopt shifters and wares. Suki tells them she has told the police everything she knows and is sorry, but then she leaves the office when a commotion arises in the bar. Holly, Suki's witch co-worker, is very upset. Her son has disappeared from school. Suki realises she has the unique ability to help in this situation, so she heads to the school to listen in on people's thoughts. Sam calls in a new girl, Tanya, some kind of shifter, to help. When she arrives at the school, Suki finds Andy, who sends her to a hidden area in the cafeteria where she can listen to all the teachers and staff that were around when the kid disappeared. 
One of those teachers, Haley, Andy's fiance, was on duty when the boy disappeared, but she didn't have anything to do with anything and is heartbroken. Suki listens in on everyone's thoughts and finally hears something terrible. The custodian, an older woman who was working at the school when Suki was a kid, has the boy in her trash can. Luckily, he's still alive. And other than trying to hide the body, the custodian didn't do anything wrong. The kid slipped and cracked his head on the floor and she didn't know what to do. So into the trash can he went. Suki leaves the school shortly after this revelation, telling Andy she's not going to help him like this again and that he needs to do his own detective work. Calvin is waiting for Suki at her house when she gets back home to thank her for helping Crystal. He assumes that Crystal and Jason will get married now, which he's not too happy about because he doesn't care for Jason, but at least he'll be new blood added to the pack. It really needs it does. Suki finally tells Calvin that she's not interested in marrying him or having anything romantic to do with him. Thank goodness. And he leaves. Suki spends some time after Calvin leaves, thinking about all the random babies he's had with all the women of Hotshot and cries when she thinks Alcide was interested in her for the same reason. Mm. It's dangerous business. It is. Especially when we learn that, like... You know, the first baby is the one who's aware or a shifter or whatever. But it doesn't matter who the dad is. Like, there, you can have multiple babies as long as it's your first time with that guy. But, like, you can have a baby with this guy. You can have a wear baby with this guy. You can have a wear baby with this guy. You can have a wear baby with this guy. And then just, like, rotate around. It doesn't, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, I'll be honest. Magic. Magic. Magic and magical semen. Gross. No. Mm -mm, Stop. Suki gets ready for her date with Quinn, cleaning up her bedroom and bathroom specifically. Not that she's planning on having sex with Quinn, but you know, maybe she might. She also goes to Walmart to buy some sexy underwear, but still, not planning on having sex with him. No. Unfortunately, before he arrives, Eric shows up. Oh, he wants oh, to know why Suki didn't come to Shreveport when he summoned her, and he also wants to know why she's not going to the vampire summit with him. She says that she has a date, and then, luckily, Quinn shows up and also tells Eric about the queen wanting Suki to go with her to the summit. So, tough shit, I guess, Eric. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> Maybe you should be the king. Meanwhile, the queen of Louisiana's going, <laughs> <laughs> Suki and Quinn leave for their date after this. They go to see a play in Shreveport and have a lovely time. But after, they're ambushed by two bitten werewolf men. Wolf men. Wolf men? Wolf men. Say it a few more times. Wolf men. Wolf men. Wolf men. Wolf men. Wolf men. Or boys. Wolf boys. They're boys, really. Yeah, they're just kids. And they're definitely on drugs. (laughs) Is that better or worse? I don't know. It feels a bit lovely. Mm. 
Quinn flings them away before the police arrive. But then they do, and they're wary of Quinn. I mean, come on. He's an intimidating he fella. Yes, he is. He's... They take Quinn and Suki to the station to get their statements. There, Suki sees the werewolf that helped Patrick, the new packmaster, cheat during the Silver Bar Challenge. He's a police officer! Of course he is, because he's a shitbag. Did I say that out loud? Some, some commentary about police know how to cheat. Hmm, pointed look. He obviously knows something about the attack, and he's very menacing to Suki, because he's an asshole. She warns his partner to watch out for him, and then she and Quinn make out a lot in the parking lot. A lot. But then they leave. Quinn takes Suki to a werewolf bar owned by Amanda after they leave the police station. Alcide is there with his new girlfriend, Maria Star, and when he finds out what happened, he wants to fight the wolves that attacked Suki. She says out loud that she was under the impression that she was a friend of the pack, which was a really good move on her part. Either the wolves will hold to the former packmaster's decree or openly go against it. They go with it, of course, because these are the good guys and not shitty Patrick's punch. As they leave the bar, Suki asks what will happen to the new wolves, and Quinn says they probably won't survive the night. He's right. There's an article in the newspaper the next day that they were mysteriously killed. Oh well. In the parking lot, Quinn and Suki make out a lot. Wait, didn't that just happen? <laughs> but you know it's what? It's going to happen a few more times. You know what? They don't go back to her clean bedroom and bathroom to have sex. <gasps> I know. Wow. Mm. She's going to get multiple use out of the same set of sexy underwear. I'm very proud. Yeah. Very proud. Yeah. The next day at Merlot, Suki is pretty snappy to everyone. That's because she didn't have sex. I know. She should have. <laughs> she doesn't like the new girl, Tanya, for no reason other than the fact that she's some sort of shifter who seems to have an ulterior motive in being there. Bill comes in with his new girlfriend, Sela, who Suki listens in on, and he is that she thinks Suki is trashy because she didn't go to college. She works in a bar and her grandmother was murdered. Fuck you, yeah. bitch. Why does that make you trashy? Because your grandmother was murdered. Oh, I'm sorry that I have a job and pay my taxes and pay my own wear in life. Yeah, what the Fuck hell? you. What the hell, bitch? Oh, my God. I know. Anywho. So he slams a beer down for a table of regulars, and one guy jokingly asks if it's her time of the month. Uh, but also, yes, it is. Uh, yeah. When she realises, she notices that Bill is um, nostril flaring, smelling her menstrual blood from across the bar. Stop it. Gross. <laughs> stop it. Bill. Stop it. You don't do that. Fucking that gross, man. That's disgusting. <laughs> that is absolutely foul. But it's Bill, so what do you expect? Oh, fucking Bill. Oh, yeah. Arlene comes over and tells Suki that there's another vampire there to see her, but that she should stop hanging out with these vamps and hang out with living people. Turns out... She's been going to the new Fellowship of the Sun Church in a nearby town. It's going to be fine. Surely that's going to turn out well. That, that's not going to come back and bite us in the storyline. 
The vampire is called Felicia. She is the new bartender at Fantasia, who has come to meet Suki on Pam's orders. <laughs> Pam said Suki likes to kill the Fantasia bartenders, but she was just joking. <laughs> Even though Suki has kind of, you know, in one way or another caused the deaths of the past three bartenders that they've hired. <laughs> it's such a good setup because Felicia's like, uh, yeah, she told me to come here because you're probably going to try to kill me. And Suki's like, oh, she's, just, um. she's just messing with you. She likes to try to embarrass me. <laughs> anyway, Felicia is from Arkansas. Hey! Hey! End of sentence. <laughs> She's glad to be away from the king there because he's a dick. But now he's married to Sophie Ann, the queen of Louisiana. It's not a love match, clearly, because Sophie Ann was dating Hadley, but more of a power move. Hmm. Hmm. Pam, you Pam. The next day, Tanya comes over to Suki's house unannounced and is quickly dismissed because Suki is still sure she's up to something and plus she really doesn't like her. This visit puts a cramp in her Sunday, but soon Quinn calls and they make plans to have dinner date the next day. These plans are squashed because then Mr. Cat... I can never see his name. Catalides. 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 You gotta say Catalides. Because they even, she even says in the text, stress on the second syllable. Cataliades. Cataliades. Mr. Cataliades, this queen's lawyer, comes by expecting Suki to be ready to go clean out her cousin's apartment in New Orleans. Suki has no idea what he's talking about. It turns out that his niece and messenger... Gladiola, a part demon, was cut in half in Suki's woods. God damn. <laughs> she came on the day that Suki heard something outside. Diantha, Gladiola's sister, who came along with Mr. Catalides, finds her body. They have to burn it in Suki's driveway because demons don't decompose. Yeesh. Poor Suki's driveway. I know. It's and it's only mean. recently been re-graveled. Yeah. Stir it up. Just stir up the gravel after the corpse is gone. Just blend it in. It'll be fine. Just pat it down a little bit. Yeah. You don't want any bumps. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. While Mr. Cataliades and Diantha get to work burning the corpse, Suki goes to Sam's to ask for a few days off. She tells him that he can fire her if he needs to, but he's like, no way. I'm not going to fire you. You're the best. Suki also leaves a voicemail for Quinn to cancel their date. He's busy in Dallas dealing with one of his employees who seems to have disappeared. Suki also calls Bill to tell him she's going to New Orleans since he told her he wants to accompany her whenever she goes. On the way, they try to figure out who would have ordered the werewolf attack on her and Quinn and also who would have cut Gladiola in half? But they don't really come to any conclusions. I'm just listing all of her enemies in my head. And it's mm-hmm. like, there's, there's a fair few. Yeah, who could it be? <clears throat> there's, a, there's a lot of people who could send the, those werewolves after yeah. her. They're cutting a demon in half is a different matter. That's pretty serious. Hardcore, yeah. Anywho, 
Suki gets dropped off at Hadley's apartment. It's oddly stale, but not smelly when she gets there, which is weird because it's been shut up for several months. Suki looks around a little bit and goes to bed. The next morning, the owner of the apartment and downstairs neighbour Amelia is there, like inside the bedroom, staring at Suki. <laughs> what the hell? Why? Why would you do that? It's not normal. Amelia is a witch, and she put a stasis spell on the apartment to keep it fresh, which is actually pretty clever. Mm-hmm. She also spelled it to keep others out, which is also good. Yeah. Obviously not her. No, but like, you have all these really great ideas, and then you're sitting and staring at someone until they wake up? A stranger? Wake up. Wake up. (laughs) Wake up. No, she did not poke her. That you don't know that she was asleep. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> she wiggled the toes. After getting to know her a little, Suki learns that Amelia is quirky and nice. <clears throat> and then she tries to do a reading on Suki, but then she realizes that Suki is special and feels really stupid. Suki dismisses this, and then they make plans to get to work boxing up things and cleaning up the apartment. As Suki and Amelia look through a closet, they find a body. That's not normal. Well, actually, for Suki. It is. It's not even the first body she's ever found in a closet. Nope. Probably won't be the last. <laughs> Probably not. Either. Amelia recognizes the body as a werewolf named Jake Purifoy, who escorted Hadley to a ceremony for the newly coupled king and queen. So why is he dead and naked in the closet? Kinky stuff. No judgment. Oh, no, hold on. No, wait. He's not dead. Oh, shit. He's a new vampire rising. Shit! But he's also a werewolf? (laughs) How will that work? Question mark? Well, there's no time to think about that now because Jake's on the attack. Hello, new vampire rising. Amelia calls for help, but before the vampire police can get there, he bites into Amelia's leg and into Suki's arm. The vampire police arrive shortly and get everything calmed down, thankfully. Then they take Jake away to learn how to be a vampire and call the paramedics to take Suki and Amelia to the hospital. While there, Eric comes to visit. He really wants Suki to be a part of his entourage during the upcoming Vampire Summit. But <clears throat> did he really have to come in person to talk to Queen Sophie Ann about that? Telephones exist in this universe. Also phone books. Carry a pigeon. <laughs> send a postcard. Send X smoke signal. Send a demon. Yes. But preferably one that's not been cut in half. Bill also comes and tells Eric he should leave Suki alone, but then Eric begins to reveal some devastating news about Bill. <gasps> and then Bill takes over. Ugh. Ugh. Shut up, boring Bill. Ugh. The Queen, who was dating Suki's cousin, learned about Suki's telepathy from Hadley, and she wanted her because Stan from Texas has a telepath in his group, so she sent Bill, who she knew was from Bon Tom, 
to seduce her and pretend to love her and later bring her to New Orleans. Dum, dum, dum! Revelation. He claims that he really did fall in love with her. But Suki's had enough. At last! last! She tells Bill she never wants to see him again. Eric gives her a pat, condescending bastard. No, it's kind. Really? It's a bit condescending. No, I feel like he's like, he doesn't want to leave her, but he has to. And he's just like reaching back and he just gives her a pat and walks away. I feel like it was a love pat. Not a dick pat. Not a dick pat. Love pat, not dick pat. Okay. Would you rather have, off Eric, a love pat or a dick pat? Ooh. 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 <laughs> we'll have to come back to that one. Hang on, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, he's... Oh, God. He's left. Suki is devastated and decides to walk back to Hadley's apartment. She shambles barefoot and crying, like all good people who are heartbroken should, all the way back to the apartment and breaks in because she doesn't have a key and goes to sleep. When she wakes, Claudine is there. Yay! And so is Amelia. <laughs> okay, that's unsurprising. <laughs> Claudine kind of explains what she is, a fairy in training to become an angel. And says that after a long time of being a good citizen, she was finally given someone to protect. Suki. She's really doing a bang-up job. (laughs) Condescending Pat. (laughs) Dick Pat. Dick Pat is happening. She also explains why Suki is so sad about Bill. But both Amelia and Claudine are like, fuck that guy. Amelia tells Suki that she and some of her witch friends can do an ectoplasmic reconstruction of the events leading up to Jake's death, but the queen will need to pay for it. Claudine then takes Suki shopping to get a nice outfit to wear to meet with the queen, where she'll ask about the ectoplasm. I love a bit of CSI witch. Yes, me too. When Suki is dressed and ready, she goes to the Queen's place, where she's paparazzied by a member of the Fellowship of the Sun. One of the vampire guards, Razul, takes to Suki immediately, and they talk about killing that guy or breaking his cameras. Oh, really sweet! Suki suggests maybe Amelia could spell his photos to be overexposed. Before swapping Suki off to another guard, Razul comments on Suki smelling like a fairy. Melanie, the other guard, also likes the way Suki smells. Claudine must have really rubbed off on her when at the shopping trip. She swaps Suki off with another guard, who happens to be standing with Baba! Finally, Suki is escorted to the Queen's office. Baba! Baba! Standing outside are two hulking pre-Anglo-Saxon vampires, both nicknamed Bert. <laughs> they have better they have they have probably the most appropriate vampire names i think it's better than waldo and bill seabert <laughs> and waybert Burt's. Burt's. the burts 
Birds. While Sookie waits for her meeting with the queen, the Burts tell Sookie their history, that the young Sophie Ann bedded them with the promise that they'd be the strongest fighters. But she didn't tell them, really, what all that entailed. <laughs> well, more fool them for not asking. I know, really. They've been with her ever since, and that's a really, really, really long time. Finally, Sookie is welcomed into the queen's room. Sophie-Anne and her husband Peter, the King of Arkansas, are there, as well as their bodyguards. Sophie-Anne has Andrea and Peter has Jade Flower. Everyone in this room looks like a fancy child in some way, all young and elegant and well-dressed, except for Jade Flower, who is dressed all in red with an ugly haircut and a giant sword on her <laughs> I mean, to be fair, are you going to comment about her fashion sense with a giant sword on her back? I know. But I love that everyone's like... <laughs> dandy children and then she's this like butchered haircut with a giant sword i always imagined the emperor's guard in star wars the ones that like are just all in red except without the helmet mm-hmm. and it's just this horrible butchered yes, hair, hair, yes. hairstyle and everybody else is in like baby outfit like doll outfits yes with frilly stuff, collars with sailor suits, sailor suits. yes, yes. Mm, and lots and lots of frills. Yes. And those horrible socks with lace round. Yes. They all mm. have frilly socks. Yes. <laughs> Any- where where even are we? What is happening right now? <laughs> We're somewhere in New Orleans. We got lost. Who knows? With our shoes on. Suki tells everyone about Jake Purfoy and how her new witch friend Amelia can do an ectoplasmic reconstruction to discover what happened to Jake the night before Hadley died. Sophie-Anne is excited to watch and so, with Andrea, Fazul, Jade Flower and the Burts, they go back to Hadley's apartment. King Peter does not attend, even though he sent his bodyguard. He says he'll be safe with all Sophie-Anne's guards and his loyal vampires he brought with him from Arkansas. Uh, on. They're oil loyal? Really? Seems a bit suspicious. It does. Something's wrong. Something is wrong here. Back at the apartment, Amelia has gathered some witch friends. Bob, Terry, and Patsy. Which names are worse here? The witch names or the vampire names? (sighs) Waldo's pretty bad, but then I do like the birds. Yeah. I don't know, Bob the Witch. Bob the Witch. <laughs> Bob the Witch or Bill the Vampire. Oh. Bob. Bob. A thousand times Bob. Bob. Drew, change your loyalties from Bill to Bob. Especially, especially when you know what happened. Especially later. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, after they get there, everyone spreads out to either perform or watch the reconstruction. The witches will be showing everyone what happened in and around the apartment before Jake was turned, and hopefully it will show who is responsible for that and why they did it. They decide to begin two hours before Amelia saw Jake arrive that night. It's interesting to watch, and everyone is enthralled, especially Sophie Ann, who dearly misses her girlfriend. Now she can see her again, even if she's kind of wavery and watery looking. Sookie thinks of a brilliant plan as this is happening. She's going to invite Amelia to come back with her to Bonton to see who killed Gladiola in her yard. Ooh. Good idea. 
What is? Well done, sir. Well, things start out dully in the reconstruction. Hadley's just sitting and watching TV. But then Waldo, one of the Queen's former favourites, comes to Hadley's door. Suki learnt earlier that Waldo was the one who killed Hadley in some elaborate plan to get himself back in the Queen's favour. And it seems that this is where that plan took root. Hadley seems to reluctantly agree to go to the cemetery where Marie Laveau is buried, where Waldo kills her and then she makes him leave. Mm. She gets dressed for the party she's going to attend with Jake to celebrate the Queen and King's wedding. And then the reconstruction fast forwards. When they get back to the apartment, we see Jake make a phone call to his boss, who turns out to be Quinn, explaining that the wedding isn't going to go well because Hadley's too upset about losing her relationship with Sophie Ann. Hadley says she's done something terrible. But Jake sends her to bed. As he's leaving, he's bitten by an unseen vampire. Hadley rushes out, gives him her blood, then drags him up and hides him in her closet, apologizing all the while. She calls Waldo and makes an appointment to go see Marie Laveau the following night, and then the witches end the reconstruction. Suki can't help but wonder, since Jake called Quinn right before he was bitten, was it her hot, hunky tiger boyfriend that had Hadley killed? (gasps) Well, she hasn't had sex with him yet, so we can't say. Yeah, okay. She's got to have sex with him before the big I mean, technically, the big revelation would come before and after the sex. Because you got to see it. And then it comes. Well, with Quinn, I think there's going to be multiple big... (laughs) Anywho, after that callback. After the reconstruction, everyone is on edge postulating what could have happened and who was responsible for turning Jake and why? Why? Probably less dramatic. Probably. Was it someone who wanted Hadley to be imprisoned for turning someone against their will? Or maybe someone who wanted the new vampire were to kill Hadley? Hmm. Suki thinks it's about to get bad, but luckily, at that exact moment, Quinn arrives! He drives up and the tension breaks. Mm. He asks about who burned the demon in her driveway and Suki explains that someone killed the Queen's messenger, Gladiola, but she doesn't know why. She also explains about his employee, Jake, being turned into a vampire. Quinn gets pretty angry here, but then Amelia awkwardly excuses herself and the rest of the witches and the tension breaks again. Suki tries to leave with them, but oh no... Sophia needs to talk to her privately. Suki, Sophie Ann, and Andre go up to the apartment, and the Queen tells Suki her life story about how she was abused as a young girl in France over a thousand years ago. How she was turned, how she found and saved others who were also abused, which is how she came to turn Hadley. The disgusting uncle that hurt Suki when she was a kid got to Hadley too, which Suki didn't know about. Talk then changes to a bracelet that was given to Sophie Ann from her new husband that Hadley must have stolen to be petty about Sophie Ann's wedding. 
It's a grave offense to lose a gift like that when you're joining two royal houses. So she has to have the bracelet back before their spring ball in two days. Suki will give it back to her if she can find it. To disguise from Flower that they were looking for the bracelet, Sophie Ann suggests to Suki that they pretend to have had sex. But even though Suki is fine with other homosexual relationships, that's not for her. So the Queen suggests that Suki pretend to have had sex with Andre instead. As they loosen their clothing and smear lipstick around, Andre comments on the fact that Suki smells like a fairy and reveals to her that she has fairy blood. What? what? No way. <laughs> Oh, yes way. That's why so many supernatural beings find her so attractive. Suki thinks Eric will be relieved to find out he only has feelings for her because of her fairy blood. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As everyone leaves, Quinn is upset with Suki for having had stranger sex. But she says that she didn't have sex with anyone, but had to let everyone there think that she did. Look, why is this like everyone's plan? It happened, it has happened multiple times. When that guy, right before she gets shifter shot or around that time, jumps her in, or mm. he jumps in to help her in the alley and he's naked because he was a werewolf and then he got shot. And they're like, oh, well, he's naked in the alley, Suki, so that means you had sex with him. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and now it's happening again. <laughs> She has a reputation that is very unearned. Anyway, Quinn asks if she'd like to have sex with someone, and they start making out. But then Jake Purifoy calls him, and he has to leave. Damn it. The next day, Sophie Ann sends a helper over to assist Sicky with packing up Hadley's things, which is what Sicky asked for when Sophie Ann asked if there was any way she could repay her for watching the ectoplasm reconstruction. That's what you ask the queen for? With some boxes. The boxes and some tape. <laughs> Sorry. They get to work boxing things up, and then Quinn comes to help. He comes in another way, a little bit later on, when they dry hump on the kitchen counter. And then they're attacked and kidnapped by a pack of werewolves. Too many for Quinn to take them all on, even partially changed. I am proud of myself for saying dry help on the kitchen counter without laughing. It's ruined now, of course, but I'm really proud of us. Dry hump on the kitchen <laughs> counter. Take a drink if you're thirsty. <laughs> Remember, folks, stay hydrated. <laughs> My goodness. They are taped up and thrown into the back of a van and driven to a remote location in the Louisiana swamps. They manage to get a call through to the Queen's residence and to break out of their restraints just as the van slows nearing its destination. They spring out of the back of the van and run straight into the swamp. The wares can't really track them through the water, so they're safe enough unless, you know, count the fact that they're literally swimming in the swamp. <laughs> but then Quinn shifts into his tiger form for added protection. It's a friggin' huge tiger. It is. It's like a 400 pound tiger. Soon they come upon a house, the same one that they were being taken to because the van is sitting outside. They sneak up to the house and discover the freaking Pelt family inside. Oh, freaking Pelt. 
Quinn takes out a few of the remaining kidnappers, and then they subdue the pelts inside. Eric, having previously had Suki's blood and being at the Queen's when they called, arrives shortly thereafter and helps them interrogate. Ooh, fuzzies! Huh! Suki ends up telling the pelts what happened with Debbie. That she broke into Suki's house and tried to shoot her, so she shot her instead, and Eric hid the body but doesn't remember where since the witches took his memory. And then the pelt parents are fine with it. Shrug. Fair enough. Sandra, their other adopted were-daughter, is not fine with it. But fuck her, she's the worst. <laughs> she's the worst. Entitled bitch. She bit the two wolf boys who attacked Suki and Quinn on their date and <gasps> sent Tanya to work at Marlott's. The father tells her if she comes after Suki again, he's going to challenge her at the full moon and it is not going to go well for her. So she backs down. With surprisingly little fuss, this storyline wraps up. No, she misses out the important things about, you know, Debbie putting her in a dangerous, rapey, slash, you know, blood drinking situation yeah. with Eric as well. Yeah, just, just mention the fact that she broke into your house and tried to shoot you. Not that she locked you in a trunk and then you were raped by a vampire. Yeah. Or the time when you went to go and take out a coven of witches and she tried to attack you then as well, just after she'd been abjured and she wasn't allowed to change, but she decided to anyway. Yeah. We'll just neglect. Just leave all that oh, out. and she was involved in the torture of Bill. Yeah, just leave it you all know, out. It's fine. You know, we'll just... Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Friggin' Debbie Pelt. Friggin' Debbie Pelt. The next day, Suki has to go to the Royal Vampire Ball, so Amelia digs through her closet and finds a skimpy lime green dress and sparkly shoes for her to wear. Suki goes to the bank with Mr. Catalanese to check Hadley's safe deposit box, but doesn't find the Queen's bracelet, so she goes back to the apartment and finishes boxing everything up in the kitchen. She also decides to make several phone calls. Later, Quinn comes by to pick her up, unable to help her with packing because he had to help Jake again. Suki gets into the dress, freshly wraps up her kidnapping wrist wounds, and grabs a purse with her essentials. Come back, some lipstick, a handkerchief, a tampon, and some super glue? Look, it's important to have super glue. It is. You never know when you need to, you know, you bind know. a cut. Yeah, and you know, you never know, like, this dress is really skimpy. Maybe you should glue it to your parts. She might not have had any tip tape. No. And, you know, you can't expose the bubs. So super glue. Uh, so super listeners, glue. please do not super glue dresses to your bosoms. That is not a good idea. Don't do it. And never put water on super glue because that instantly makes it stick. That's not a good idea either. When they arrive at the ball, Suki and Quinn notice that all of the visiting Arkansas vampires are wearing ugly white suits. They decide that it makes them easy to tell apart from everyone else, which doesn't bode well for the evening. After going through security, Suki goes to the restroom and comes out, minus the tampon, the glue, and the wrap on her wrist. (gasps) She greets Sophie Ann, who is conspicuously wearing a long-sleeved dress, on the dance floor, and 
inconspicuously presses the missing bracelet onto her wrist. <gasps> the queen is delighted that Sookie was able to find it, especially when, before the next dance, King Peter suggests that Sophie Ann show everyone his gift and is very, very surprised that she actually is wearing the bracelet. If he had blood to drain out of his face, it would, it would have Pick the jaw off the floor, dude. Even though this slight has been rectified and the evening should go well now, Suki is sure that the king is still going to try something to take over the state. And guess what? He does! <gasps> Shocking no one. One of the white suit vampires cuts off Waybert's head with a sword and then chaos ensues. There's blood and guts and heads everywhere. Suki tries to escape and Eric body slams her to keep her safe and kisses her and dashes back into the fray. Typical Eric. Lovely. Suki manages to find a door into Sophie-Anne's private rooms but then Jade Flower, who is missing a leg, grabs Suki's ankle. Bill jumps on Jade Flower's back, snapping her spine, and then cuts off her head with a carving knife. Suki flees to the Queen's suite. I love all of that scene. Yes. Starting with the head whirling by in slow motion. I'm pretty sure this has happened before, but it was a zombie head. Yes. Flying heads. I like the idea that with all the white suits everywhere and all the blood splatter, you could reconstruct it. Yeah. Yeah. Inside the Queen's suite, Suki finds Andre and King Peter in a standoff. And then Andre shoots Peter twice in the face. Sophie Ann says maybe they shouldn't kill him because she'll have to pay a fine. But then she's like, mm, money isn't everything, shrug, and Andre kills the king. Suki slips out the window and is met by Tiger Quinn. As she jumps over the wall and out into the streets of New Orleans, with her boobs out, Oh, that's not what the superglue was for. <laughs> Quinn shifts back into a human. Before they decide to walk through the city with boobs and dick out, Andre pulls up in the queen's limo and they hop in. I'm getting some really good lines in this one. You really Dry humping, boobs and dick out. <laughs> <laughs> Dry humping with your boobs and dick out? I mean... Maybe next time! Maybe next time. Hang on, it's coming! <sighs> on the drive back to Hadley's apartment, Suki explains how she found the missing bracelet hidden in a coffee can in Hadley's kitchen and how she broke it apart to hide it under her bandages, and in a tampon wrapper, then slipped into the bathroom and glued everything back together. Sophie-Anne is pleased, even though a literal war has just started, but for now everything's okay. It's fine. I like how the vampires have no concept of what a tampon is. No. It's, it's a vampire lollipop. <sighs> vampire tea bag, I think, is actually technically what it is. Yeah. Because you don't want to lick. You don't want to lick that because, you know, it's like cotton. It depends on how they consume it. I'm telling you, it's a vampire tea bag. Would you rather have a vampire tea bag or a vampire lollipop? Mm. 
<laughs> We're not there yet. We're not there yet. At Hadley's, Amelia asks for the story of what happened, which Suki says she'll explain later. Then she asks if Suki has an extra bedroom at her house in Bonton. She kind of turned witch Bob into a cat and got in trouble with her witch mentor. So she's got to leave town for a little while. She's on the lab. <laughs> Suki gladly offers Amelia and her new cat boyfriend a place to stay. As Suki and Quinn get ready for bed, Bill comes to the door to profess his love for Suki, but she resoundingly turns him away and then crawls into bed with Quinn. On the way back to Bonantant the next day, Suki tells Amelia everything that happened with the Queen and the bracelet and Jade Flower cutting Gladiola in half. Even though lots of vampires had swords, Suki figured out that it was Jade Flower who killed the Queen's messenger by calling gas stations between New Orleans and Bonantant and asking if anyone with a sword stopped for gas. They figured that the King really wanted to get Sophia in trouble, so they literally did everything they could to do that, including trying to stop Suki from coming to Hadley's apartment, where she might find the bracelet when going through her things, and also framing Hadley for Jake's death, which Flower was also responsible for. Then, when Hadley turned him to save him, they figured he'd kill her when he rose anyway, so everything would be fine. They were wrong! Now Suki has to prepare to be part of the Queen's entourage during the Vampire Summit. How bad can that be, really? We'll see. <laughs> to be continued. <sighs> Alright, everyone, spend some time thinking about Quinn. Rehydrate. Dry humping with your boobs and dick out. Listen to this promo from another show, and then come back. Yay. Boobs and dick out optional. Have you ever wondered what Tina Fey has in common with Jonathan Swift? Or how Star Wars is connected to feudal Japan? Or just how pervasive Shakespeare's influence still is? I'm Rhonda. And I'm Erin. And our show Pop DNA explores the literary and historical roots of your favorite pop culture works. Like the Greek mythology and early 20th century feminism echoed in the film Wonder Woman. Or the classic dystopian fiction and real-life political revolutions that informed the Hunger Games. Every month, we bring you a deep-dive discussion of a selected pop culture work. Featuring jokes no one will think are funny and literary references no one asked for. Find us at thepopdna.blog or anywhere you get your podcasts. By the way... Shakespeare is bigger than Disney. All right. We're back. <laughs> Your boobs back in t shirt. Yes, I have put my boobs away. Not I my dick, though. Left the dick out. Leave your dick out. Super glue the boobs down. Don't super glue them. Please, listeners, please do not super glue your boobs. Use appropriate tip tip. Do not super glue your nipples. Ooh, I just got chills. Okay, let's stop Yikes. talking about that. Yikes. Ooh.
Gosh, you have to go too far, don't you? I always oh do. God. Look, if we don't mention nipples in our episodes of Fictional Hangover, is it really an episode of Fictional Hangover? Probably yes, because it's quite a recent event, really. I mean, is it, is it an episode from 2022? That's what we need to say. You're right. What's going to happen next year? You know, we're only halfway finished with this year. There's so <sighs> many more nipple escapades that can happen. This is both a threat and a promise. <laughs> Anywho. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you know what I blame Jackson Ford? I blame him for a lot of things. Should we talk about the book? Yes, I think we should. What do you remember? This is my question from our discussion from the beginning where we're like, I don't remember, I remember anything. Any what did you actually remember from this book? Amelia turning Bob into a cat. That's the only thing that I remember. And, like, the ectoplasmic reconstruction is one of the coolest things that has happened thus far in the series. And I did not remember it. I I remember Bob the cat. And I'm thinking that, you know what, I probably just remember Bob the cat because he's probably in the first, like, six pages of the next book because there's always that little bit of a recap. Yeah. I do remember the revelation, though, the Great Bill revelation. See, now I'm worried because, okay, I thought that I remembered that, but then that also kind of happened in the show, I think. Yes. And so I, I can't remember. Well, I don't remember the show very well. I haven't rewatched it. But maybe it didn't happen, and maybe I'm just having weird, foggy memories. But there's no way I would have forgotten the ectoplasmic reconstruction and also the epic epic battle scene at the end with heads flying around and Sookie's boobs falling out. There's no way I would have Dicks forgotten and it. boobs and heads and blood and guts. Yeah, I'm I'm really surprised. I, mean, I suppose this is like a little skip to ahead. I'm very surprised how much I don't remember from Yeah, this that's my I, same surprise. I, I remember the Bob the Cat. And I remember she had a friend called, like, a, a witch friend who comes to stay with her for a while. I thought it was later on down the road. And I remember the great revelation of Bill. Mm-hmm. And I remember she gets told about the fairy blood. But again, like Bob the Cat, I thought it was in a later book. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's going to be recapped in the next one. Because I do not remember any of this I don't remember them getting kidnapped I don't remember them swimming through the swamp no I mean we do well we've hinted at before with fucking Debbie Pelt and her family Yeah. that you know that just because Debbie's dead doesn't mean the situation's ended right I also feel like I kind of remember the cabin scene but not it's weird isn't it i know this is really weird it's i remember when we covered vampire academy and bloodlines last year mm-hmm. there was never an instance where you who had read the books before went can't remember any of this there was parts that you didn't remember or you know got the order a little bit mixed mm-hmm. up but it was never an instance where you went i do not have any recollection of this book I know that when I read them, it was during a snowstorm, and I literally read them back to back to back to back to back. I read, like, four books in two days. So it's 
possible that either one, I just didn't check this book out and accidentally skipped it, or that I just read them so close together that maybe I just wasn't paying attention to this one. But I don't know. It's an awful lot of stuff that I didn't remember. No, and it's the it's the Quinn element for me as well. Like, we've been, ever since we decided we are going to cover this, we've been looking forward to getting Quinn in the books. Yeah. And yes, he came in <laughs> last month. But, you know, apart from licking Suki's leg, he wasn't really a dominant character. Right. But in this one, you know, he takes that step forward. And I remember, he's not in for the rest of the series. He's He has his time. But yeah, I feel like I remember more of this story than I, than you do. But I also feel like I'm getting confused with the short story. Yeah, but look, why would I have loved Quinn so much if I hadn't read this book? Exactly. You can't, you can like Quinn from last book, but you can't love Quinn from No. It. I don't know. So now I'm kind of like, well, I think my brain's broken. Well, I think next month we'll definitely be able to go... Oh, oh yeah, yeah, oh, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So what else? Apart from everything that we've forgotten, well, which is everything. That well, basically, I am so glad the truth about Bill has come uh, out. Yeah, I, I am know. so glad. Me too. I'm so glad that she is now finished with Bill. She never wants to see him again. She even like. Yeah kind of has talks with Claudine about killing him and Claudine's like well I could but that's gonna take me back a couple of steps with me wanting to become an angel so I really don't want to do it and she's like oh you don't have to but you know who doesn't want to become an angel and who would willingly kill Bill literally everyone else Eric Eric specifically And Pam, if it was causing drama. Yes. Because you know how much Pam, lo- Pam loves Pam some drama. Pam loves the drama, yeah. A- apart from blood, drama is what she lives on. Yes, I think you're right. An embarrassment of others. <laughs> oh, Pam. I'm wondering if Pam's more of a feature in the short stories now. Hmm. This is. I'm at a point where I, I've never really been confused with what's happened in the books versus the TV show, which I, which for some people may happen if they've more recently watched the show. Sure. But I'm starting to think maybe as I'm get, I might be recalling elements of characters and events that have happened in the short stories. But as we, you know, we found out Charlene Harris is not done a good job at putting major plot keeping major plot points out of the short stories that's terrible you don't do that i've never read any of them so now i'm missing out on a lot of things clearly i wonder if i can get them on audio i need to investigate some of them yes Definitely some in other anthologies. I need to investigate. Hmm. Anyway. Anywho. So we've cemented that Bill is a dick. Do you know, I'm also really pleased that she finally told Calvin that she's like, "Uh uh-uh, dude. I don't want to... I don't want to get involved with that. I cannot imagine (laughs) living in Hotshot. 
you know, Sookie thinks, oh, Calvin, he's such a good guy. He's a hard worker. He's got a job. He's got insurance. He's got a house. But then you look around and you're like, well, that's his baby. And that's the baby's mother. And that kid over there also is his. And that's that kid's mom. And then also that one over there. I cannot imagine being surrounded by all the people that my husband has just banged and had rando kids kids with. If you look at the hotshot family tree, though, it's not like nice straight lines down. You take the crayon and you just squiggle all over the paper. Yeah, but it's one so- line connecting everyone. <laughs> It does not branch. It's Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, you're not just getting involved with Calvin. You're getting involved with an entire incestuous town. Yeah. And what is the guarantee that Calvin's decided, I'm done, I'm dusted, I want to settle down now with a wife? Yeah, I mean, he says that. He says my time is, you know, my time is done. I don't want to, I don't want to have any more pups or they're not because they're cats they're they're panthers kittens Kittens, kids cubs cubs. i don't want to do that anymore but you know what if there was some something that happened and there's something wrong with the pack and you're like well i guess i have to have another kid exactly but it's not just the fact that calvin might be going out and quote unquote doing his duty for the pack mm-hmm. now that she's involved if she were to be involved in it she might be put forward and have no say of the matter yeah and I, it's not okay and it's not cool no so i'm glad i'm glad that she's like okay calvin dunsies and then she cries about alcide thinking the same thing i don't think that that's what alcide is up to because there's werewolves all over the place. And also... Also, she... Alcee does not want to be involved in the pack. He, right. he explicitly said to her, he does yeah. not want pack children. He doesn't want to be involved yeah. in that. And, but also, you know, she was having her monthlies. And so she's just sobbing and weeping all over the place. Totally relatable. <laughs> Completely 100% relatable. She's having so many emotions in this book. I enjoy, can I, I don't know if the word enjoy is right, but I, I I like the fact that she was menstruating, that she had, it was the time of the month and it was acknowledged. Yes. You know, because it's, it's, it's not a dirty secret. No. It's, it's biology. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. And the fact that you, you know, you're surrounded by vampires and the vampires can smell the menstrual blood as icky as a concept that is. And you're like, oh, oh no, that's just nasty. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. It does. It really does. I like, I like, you're right that that is mentioned. But I feel like that came up in some sort of like interview with Stephanie Meyer during, you know, Twilight Times. And she mentioned in that world that that blood is dead. So the vampires aren't affected by it. That sounds familiar, actually. Yeah. That does sound familiar. And there was mention 
in that series too of, you know, needing her tampons and then she didn't because she was preggers. But anyway, we're not talking about that series, which why haven't we read those yet, by the way? I feel like that would be some bonkers shit conversations. Have you heard of 2023 Vampire Book Club yet? (laughs) Have you? Anyway, that's later on. Let's keep talking about this series and this (laughs) book right now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what else I really liked? The ball turned battle. Oh, that was so good. Battle ball. Battle ball. Battle Ball. I liked Battle Ball. thought it was great. I like the way that Eric was like, save Suki, snog Suki, run back into the frame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how you do it, Bill. You don't just run off and be all, you save the girl, you smooch the girl, you run back into the frame. Uh, That's how it's yes. done. I'm sad that it was one of the Burts who was decapitated, though. It had to happen. I know. It had to happen. It was either going to be one of the births, Andre, which I think I would have not liked if that had happened, yeah. or uh, Mr. Catalides. Catalides? Catalides. Yeah, but I mean, he's just he's just a demon lawyer. <laughs> demon lawyer. Is that not the same thing? It is the same thing. Is that an oxymoron? It is. Um... I was sad that Demon. I was sad that it was a bird though. But it's okay. I'm glad that it wasn't Rasul because I really liked Rasul. Yes. He was At least with the birds you've got a spare. Right, there's two birds. And now the other birds just going to be real pissed cuz his brother's dead. Yeah. Do you like Sofiane? I don't really care. I'm not saying favorite character like right, yeah. just in general. I think she's got a pretty decent life philosophy. She's been around for a long time, and I feel like she's been trying to do good with her vampiric lifestyle and killing people and like that have abused others and keeping those other ones safe by you know turning them into vampires. But still, mm. you know, give, she's she's giving them some semblance of power back to their lives so yeah i mean i think i do i think i do like her and she also seemed to really care for hadley yeah so out of the vampire monarchs that we've met so far she is my favorite preferred one yes and i do agree i her story like her backstory is tragic it's awful Mm -hmm. but it was nice to actually be given it yeah because i mean if you think about like eric we know eric is old probably as old as sophian realistically um but we don't know anything about his backstory Mm -mm. we know that he was a viking that's it um so it's nice to actually get the story of one of the older vampires and for them to quite freely give yeah. it and give it without any expectation of return. Right. She just goes that's, straight that, into it a... too. She's like, "Hey, Suki, I got to tell you something." And then she literally tells yeah. her entire life story. That that's the thing that 
intrigued me most about Sophie-Anne. Yes, she's a vampire. She's a vampire queen. She is there at that position and she's attained it in, you know, very specifically. You can't trust her. You can't trust any of them, anybody because they've all got the ulterior mm-hmm. motives. But all throughout, she's talked to Suki and she's asked things of Suki, but she's not asked too much yet that we know of, that we can remember. Um, you know, it, it's she's not making undue demands and or threats. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, I need this. And this is the re- this is the context behind yeah. it. So then Suki can go, okay, so I know why you turned Hadley. I understand your relationship with mm-hmm. Hadley. And I understand what Hadley has done to hurt you and how that can have repercussions on you. I will help you. And that was refreshing yeah. for a change, having that full story and everything just contextualised for Suki to then make that smart decision of, yes, I will... I will find that bracelet if I can and return it to you in time if I can, rather than the half-truths and the lies that everybody else... I mean, Bill was there on completely false pretenses and I don't care if he says he loves Mm -mm. her now. The reason he was there was, you know, manipulation. Yeah, he wanted to keep her away from anyone who could have told her the truth. And I hate that. And then, like... Yeah. She's in the hospital and he shows up and Eric's also there. And he's like, oh, Eric, I think you should leave Suki alone. And he's like, no, nah, I think you should tell Suki what's up. And he's like, oh, yeah. okay. That's it. I mean, at least with Eric, you expect a bit of conniving and half-truths. You kind of like ulterior motives you're expecting yeah. it but still but it's never malicious right still eric has not done anything terrible to Suki. no and he always makes it like a work thing it's a contractual thing where he's saying i need to use your mind mm-hmm. telepathy abilities here is payment for right. services done yeah. So it's all it's all above board that kind. It's always. I mean, it could you know, be fake reasons that he wants to hire her just to spend more time with her or whatever. But still, she gets to pay her taxes at the end yeah. of the month. <laughs> Not a bad deal. Yeah, and he always keeps her safe. Exactly, and he does little things like well, I say little things. Getting a new driveway mm-hmm. is not no. a little thing. He replaces her coat. Yeah. He stepped in front of a bullet. I do genuinely think Eric has feelings, like genuine affection and love for mm-hmm. Suki, but he doesn't know how to do it. Like, well, think of how like, deliciously those. handsome he is, and he's never like had to work for it before. No, I think he also just likes to flirt with her yeah, as well. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, look, at the, 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 I'm going to send you the proofs for the, the photo shoot and the calendar. There you yeah. go. And she never goes past January. So he, he loves the, he loves the yeah. flirt. I do genuinely believe he is affectionate, if not in love with Suki. But he also 
is in love with power yes and money yes and position and it's what's going to win out because at the end of the day suki's suki for me is not going to pick eric like i haven't read the first book i do not know how it ends i have the 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 book now that tells me all of the endings you better not read that it has not even been you better not read that you're not allowed to. It is a second ha- it is a second hand copy I think I bought. So the spine has been cracked, but I have not cracked the spine. It is waiting ready for me. So I don't know who Suki ends up with. But I don't think it's Eric. I think it's somebody close at home. My prediction is Sam. Shrug. Even though she's got Quinn. I, I know, Quinn's so good. He's so tall and so bold. And he's a giant tiger. Can we talk about the pelts for a second? (sighs) Fucking pelts. Yeah. I was so pissed off with the priests at the beginning. Where they were like, being all judgy. And Arlene, being all judgy. Don't talk to the undead. You need to talk to the living group. Fuck off. Anywho. When he was like, oh, I brought them. Don't you think you should talk to them? No. No. It's not appropriate. I'm really disappointed in you, Suki. Fuck off. Fuck you. That that whole interaction pissed me off so yeah. much. Sandra, what an entitled little bitch. And the pelt. I mean, I know the pelt parents were doing it because Sandra was essentially, like, you know, forcing them, and they're the she's the favorite. Yeah. But it's like. Everybody acknowledges that Debbie was a dick of the highest and worst mm-hmm. order. Nobody liked Mm-mm. Debbie. And trying to justify her relationship with Alcide as being fine? No, 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 no. It was so toxic. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I just, I, hope, I, hope, I can't remember, but I hope the fucking Debbie Pelt storyline is now finally done. I have I have have bad recollections. But again, I don't know if what I'm remembering is real. So we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. It's like I can't can't differentiate between what's a dream and what's real. Yeah. But I'm hope I hope it's done. I hope. But I have a feeling Sandra's going to come back and I need it done. I'm I'm bored of it now. Yeah. So what else? Do you know I really like Amelia? I, love Amelia. I think apart from Quinn, that Amelia is my yes. favorite character. And yeah, her introduction was a little weird, but after that, she's very helpful. She's very friendly. She's smart. She gets stuff done for the queen, but it's like, hey, uh, she's going to have to pay me. And they're like, okay, yeah. I I appreciate that. I like Amelia. I like that she accidentally turned her Mormon boyfriend into a cat. <laughs> I love Amelia as well. Quinn and Amelia are my favorite right. characters. I forgot that's how she's introduced in into the series, by staring at Stooky. Yeah. That's just 
soft yeah. looking. But I really liked her, and I really, really liked the ectoplasmic reconstruction. I thought it was so interesting. I mean, it was probably really boring to watch, for the most part. I don't know. I think it'd be. I think it'd be very interesting to watch at the same time, but depending on what the ghostly memories show. Right. I mean, watching her watching TV is not exciting. No. But then when, you know, the stuff starts to happen and you find out who, what happened with Jake and... Yeah. Yeah, gets interesting. I like that Jake's biting happened by, like, a disembodied hand and that's all you could see coming into the property line. Like, I wonder why it was done that way and if they knew that... Maybe maybe they knew that Amelia is a witch and maybe they thought that she had some sort of spell on the perimeter of her property or something. And that's why they grabbed him from, you know, stage left and pulled him off and bit him. Because that's the only thing you could see. And they mentioned like, well, shit, there's a hand that just appeared. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, that was the only, that was the only thing that was touching him. And they did mention that, like, when he brushes his hand across the back of his car, well, then his car shows up. Or Hadley puts her cup down on the coffee table and then the coffee table shows up. So, I mean, I think that's really neat. And I wish that that had been part of the TV show. I would have yeah, liked to have yeah. seen that, but it didn't. And that's not where we are now in the TV show and nothing matches up anymore. No, Bill has probably bitten Lilith. He's by probably Billithed at this point. Billithed. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed that as well. It was really clever. It was nice to see the witches doing something like yeah. that. And I remembered that Suki had a roommate. I'm. Ninety-eight percent certain we have not read this book before. I, I must. Have, I know I have. I don't. I, I don't think that we've read this book before. I, it feels like we're getting that impression, but I just don't remember the detail. I just of Amelia, and I forgot how delightful she was. She is. I remember. I do remember a few bits and pieces. I'm sure there's a sunbathing scene in one of the future books where something's happening at Suki's house and she and Amelia are just sunbathing mm-hmm. in the garden. Yeah, I remember that as well. Um, yeah, and being delighted by that. But I can't remember. Yeah, I'm starting to convince myself I've never nope, read this book. You've never read it and I've never read it. We both somehow skipped this one. But by osmosis, when we've held the book in our hands at some point, we've taken in uh-huh. fractions snippets yes but i'm glad that amelia's there and i'm glad amelia's come back to bon Tom because i think bon Tom could use a bit of freshening up yeah and suki could use somebody she she needs a friend and she's been talking about that through the past few books like you would think like when tanya shows up you would think oh here's someone who knows about me and knows what i am and knows what i can do she's my age she's also you know different she's supernatural so we should be friends but then she's like nah she's up to something i don't know what 
No, I think you you think Tara would have that place. I mean, she does in the TV show to an extent, um. But you would think Tara would have that place, but Tara's got her own yeah. stuff to sort out. Whereas Amelia has the time. She has the time, yeah, and she's, you know, on the lamb from her coven. <laughs> so it's it's very convenient. And she's like, hey, do you have an extra room? And so he's like, yes. As a matter of fact, I do. And then she's like, come on home. Bring your cat. I like cats. It'll be useful as well, actually, having somebody else in the house who is living. Yes. um, And who can put spells on to protect. Yeah. Because, let's face it, the witches and Bon like, Holly and them, they seem a bit Well, I mean, Amelia shouted about this for a very long time, I think so long that Sookie kind of stopped listening to her for a little while. But Holly and whatever her friend's name is, like, they're Wiccans. And she's like, oh, Wiccans. They're just hippies. I'm a real witch. I took tests. I studied. (laughs) I went to witch college. (laughs) So... You're not a real witch if you don't have a certificate. I went to Hogwarts. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's going to be exciting to see what Amelia brings and it's actual witchcraft, so it's another like powerful being that Suki has collected. Yes. She's a collector of powerful beings. Yeah. She puts them all in her pocket. Yeah. Or sock drawer. She does. <laughs> And on, and on that, that note, note, it's time for Would You Rather? We asked on social media, would you rather swim for miles through the swamp or walk barefoot for miles through New Orleans? Unsurprising, 90% said they would walk in face- on Facebook. 90% said they would walk on Instagram. 100% on Twitter are going to walk through New Orleans. And on TikTok, 84% said they're walking through the city as mm. well. <laughs> the swamp has its dangers. We do have some lovely we comments. We do indeed. Coral on Facebook said, Okay, this is hard. There are things in the swamp that can kill you, but then there are things in the city that can too. But I guess you can see where you're walking. The swamp, you can't see what's under the water. So, city, here I come with no shoes. I'll just have to scrub with a lot of beach sanitizer. <laughs> Dakota on Facebook said, I used to play barefoot in the road as a kid, and I can't swim. <laughs> Sensible. Bree on Facebook, walk barefoot through a city. I can watch for and avoid nasties I might step on. Whereas in the swamp, I just have to suck it up and immerse myself in it. <laughs> Annie on Facebook says, <laughs> Annie, I'm going to say your curse words out loud, by the way. There are a lot of motherfucking snakes in the swamp. Barefoot walk through Nola may be nasty, but I can at least see where I put my feet. Not be snuck up on by a water moccasin. Yeah, you don't wanna you don't wanna meet that guy. Unless you have Quinn with you and then he just reaches over and snaps it into three pieces. <laughs> Candy on Facebook said, I don't think I could walk barefoot through New Orleans. Yeah. 
There's our there's our one swimmer. Constance on Facebook shouts option C. Neither. Why must you torture us? And our reply is hello and welcome to Fictional Hangover. We are full of spoilers, puns, and terrible torturous would you rather questions. And then Superfan Bree jumps in and says torture is our love language. It's, it's true. true. But like not in a serious bad way. No, but at the moment we're also being a bit nasty. You are. <laughs> Steffi Zodiac on TikTok said, as cool as gators are, I'm not going to swim with them. Thicktalk.exe on TikTok said, you didn't say anything about pouring water on the ground to keep your feet cool. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? You're going to swamp. Uh, Hallian Prince on TikTok said, I walk barefoot everywhere I'm allowed anyways. Fair. And we had some good comments at the library. You had me until Nola. Give me the swamp. Ick. We've got another swimmer! Someone else said, I hate this question, but Nola, sad face. Another one, walk barefoot. Hopefully, less alligators. I like that they are aware that there are still alligators that exist in Louisiana, inside and outside the swamp. And... There's an additional comment replying to that one. I second this. Can't outswim a gator. True. Fact. What are you going to do? I'm walking barefoot through New Orleans. I struggle. The reasoning behind this. I'm from the freaking northeast of England. I have been to Newcastle out on a night out. I have worn the heels. I have taken the heels off when I have had to walk to the taxi rank. Bring it, New Orleans. Bring it. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this one. You've never been to the big market. But I have been to New Orleans. And it is gross. There are many, many streets that smell of urine and vomit. Have you been to Newcastle? There are many, many streets that smell of urine and vomit. Probably some fecal matter thrown in there there as well. You do not know if that's a beer being thrown at you or a bottle of urine. I mean, I feel like that's the same. It's the same as New Orleans. Have you been too far away from the toilet that you just peed against the wall? No, love, I do not need you to hike up your skirt and pop a squat right there. Please stop. I have a feeling that the Newcastle streets and the New Orleans streets are very Yeah, they probably are. So, like, if if this wasn't me, I would probably swim through the swamp. But I can't do that because I have an insulin pump. So then I think, well, I guess I'm going to walk barefoot. But I shouldn't walk barefoot anywhere because, again, diabetes. And my feet are delicate. I get delicate tootsies. I don't need to walk barefoot anywhere. Also, I've stepped on glass before, and it's not cool. No, it's not. I had stitches in the bottom of my foot 
It was not a good time, so I don't like either of these options. I might have to go with Constance and take option C. Doesn't exist. You need to manipulate one of these answers to work in your okay, favor. Okay, then I'm swimming. So can I throw this? Can I throw this curveball sure. out for you? I have purchased from a vending machine shoes. The shoes that you tie up and they go into uh-huh. your purse, yeah, your handbag. Uh-huh. So when your heels get too much, you get these, and they're basically just like little footsie yeah, covers. Yeah. So it's just like a a thin sole protects your feet from the ground, but you can walk in them. So there's your option. You're gonna go for the city, but you're gonna go via the vending machine and get your little footsies yeah, out. That's fine. Or, or borrow a couple of pairs of socks of yeah. people to add some extra. I don't want to wear a stranger's socks. I think I'm swimming. Well, if you've just come from the hospital, you can get some hospital That's true, socks. and they've got the little grippies on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to... Remember, we are the Lord and Masters of all that we survey when it comes to would you rather. We can manipulate we can. these answers to work in our favour because we are pros. You know what? No. No. I'm <laughs> swimming because I've got Quinn with me. And when she's walking through the city, she's sad and by herself and yelling at homeless people. When she's in the swamp, she's got Quinn, who then shifts into a tiger, and all of the creepy shit that's happening around them, all of the noises, stop. I don't even know if Quinn needs to even shift, because he is a alpha. Yeah. Capital yeah. A. So I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go into the swamp. I'm gonna go into the swamp, and I'm gonna have Quinn with me, and. You know, he would probably let me ride on his back or on his front. He, he would. He would He would let you ride him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like the bit where she's like, can you turn back yet? And he's like, only partially. She's like, yeah, because you've got a tail. Do you know, I did not like that part. I mean, I loved that he was like, oh, shit, I've got a tail. But she's making him sleep on the floor? Like, dude. The rest of him doesn't have any fur or any tiger parts. He's just accidentally got a tail. If he had claws out, I'd be like, you're not coming in the bed. That's That's dangerous. dangerous. You know, clip your toenails. But it's a tail. Clip your toenails before you get into bed because that's dangerous. But the tail, the tail's not going to bother anyone. It's so... might swish around a little bit. You know, spoon the other way. Let him be the big spoon and his tail will just flop off the side of the bed and it'll be a very happy tail. She just doesn't think these she things through. Are we moving on? I've fallen into the first trap again. You are almost out of water. You don't have much. You don't have much left. All right. Don't have me thinking about Quinn too much. Would you rather... Go to the spring ball or witness the ectoplasmic reconstruction. Ectoplasmic reconstruction. Because it sounds freaking cool. Whereas the spring ball, as fun as it would be to witness, you know, heads flying, guts, blood everywhere. I don't want to be caught up in that. But do you know what happens at the end of it? Quinn's dick is out. 
Well, you didn't specify precisely which, which ectoplasmic reconstruction I'm going to be watching. It might be the dry humping on the kitchen bench. <laughs> it's the, the one, the one that we witnessed in the book. No dry humping on the kitchen counter. Well, I want to watch an ectoplasmic reconstruction, though. I want to see this. Yeah, it is really cool. I'm, I'm going to stick with it. I'll stand by my answer. Even though I want to also witness the bloody affair that is this And also, day. you know, I don't really get that many opportunities to, like, dress up fancy and go places. So, I mean, I might want to go to the ball. It could be fun. I'm not putting super glue on my nipples, though. Don't put super glue on your nipples. Use appropriate tape. <laughs> Don't put duct tape on no. your nipples either. PSA. <laughs> Next question. Please, let's move on from that. Would you rather use your telepathy to solve others' crimes or hide your own crimes? Can I have... A supernatural television show about me? Because then I'm solving others' crimes with my powers. Hells yeah, because then you can have some ectoplasm. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Again. I'm going to solve others' crimes with my telepathy. Although that does not sound like my answer, because my answer is always the more villainous answer, so I have to change it because I'm committing crimes and hiding them. So, excuse everything that I just said. You can have my TV show. I will commit the crimes. I will do crimes. Come can I have a TV show where I do crime and hide my crime with my and telepathy? And then solve your own crime but pin it on someone else? Yes, that's what we're doing. Yes. And we are a team. We are a yes. team doing crimes. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love everything yes. about it. Netflix, contact yes. our people. We are our own people. <laughs> but we can pretend <laughs> alright you know what it's time for now everyone secret questions and I see your note that you have added on yours yes. and I worry that we might have asked a very similar question so you might have to oh. ask your backup question just based on okay. your note I have two because one may be icky <laughs> Spoiler alert, my question is disgusting. Would you rather have your creepy ex-boyfriend be able to recognize you by the scent of your menstrual blood, or have everyone want to sleep with you because of the scent of your menstrual blood? Spoiler, it's exactly the same, but the right elements. Um... Oh. I'm going to go with creepy ex-boyfriend. Be able to recognize you by the scent of your menstrual blood just because well, I know who they are. Do I? Or do I want strangers to be able to smell me? No, I'm going to go with strangers. Screw it. I'm going to go with strangers because I'm never going to see these people ever again. What the hell ever? You know, it's like when you walk down the street and you actually, your skirt's rucked up and you're flashing your ass to everybody. It's mortifying. Mm-hmm. It's embarrassing. You will think about this for 20 years. And then some. And then realise the entirety of Sunderland City Centre is seeing your arse on a Sunday afternoon. But you know what? 
I'm never going to see these people again. It's me that's dwelling on it. So I'm going to go with have everyone want to sleep with me because of the scent of my menstrual blood. They're not going to sleep with us. And it's embarrassing. But it's a moment I can get over it. Yes, there was a story hidden in there. I got that. I got on. Um, as much as I hate Bill and the idea of my creepy ex-boyfriend smelling me, I feel like having a whole bunch of people constantly smelling me, you know, for a few days every month, I don't like that. So I'm going to go with the creep because mm. I don't want multiple people sniffing me. Gross. It's gross. It's all gross. It's gross. Thank you very much. Mm. You, you deserve. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was a disgusting question. <sighs> okay, I'm going to read mine out, and if we choose that it's too similar, we'll go with my other one, which is boring. Would you rather have vampires want to sleep with you because you're menstruating or sleep with you because it's fairy blood? Fairy blood. A thousand times fairy blood. I am squicked out by the idea of smelling menstrual cycles. Not that there's anything wrong with that because it happens to, you know, 50% of the population. But I just don't like that idea at all. I think as a person who deals with that or has to deal with or have ha- has had to deal with that, it's a completely different kettle of fish, isn't it? Because you you kind of go, oh, God, I need to change my feminine hygiene product mm-hmm. of choice. <clears throat> and then you just like, oh, and you feel yeah. like crap. You feel like you look yeah. like crap. You're more. You're feeling emotional. You know, obviously to varying degrees. You might be having really horrible cramps. Yeah, as well. and then you have to fucking deal with people smelling you and wanting to jump your bones. Not okay. So, no, I would also just rather be a fairy in general. So, that's what I'm gonna go with. Same. Same. Cause gross. My boring. Would you rather? was would you rather find a new risen vampire in your closet or a dead werewolf you no i want to it's fun um i feel like i mean i would much rather encounter a vampire you know just in my everyday life yes of course Same and i think you know we could be talking about a couple of different dead werewolves in the closet here <laughs> At this point, if we're yes. talking about, you know, the first dead werewolf in the closet and Sicky and Alcide had to wrap him up and like clean up the crime scene, that was that was a lot of work. So I feel like I'd rather find the the vampire, mostly because I don't have to drag his dead ass around. No, but he will make your ass dead. Can he turn me? It's not a guarantee. It's a chance I'm willing to take. What are you doing? Vampire v werewolf. Of course, I'm going to go vampire. I know. I'm not really sure why. Why we asked that question, other than the fact that our previous two questions were disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Favorite final thought quote. Uh, Okay. 
We'll give you. Do you want the boring one? I say boring. The more serious one first, or the toothless one? Mm, let's go serious first. Get it out of the way. Get out of the way. I'd always enjoyed life, and I knew I would again. But I was going to have to slog through a lot of bad patches mm. to get there. Yeah. Relatable. One of my favourite moments in every 24 hours is when I get to put on my nightgown. Relatable. Relatable. It was not cool to drool. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Alright. That one had me chuckling at work. One of them I've wanted to include pretty much in every single book because Suki always shouts this and it's one of my favorite things that she shouts. Jesus Christ, Shepherd of Judea! (laughs) I really enjoy that. And then the second one that I'm going to share is something it it actually made me laugh out loud while I was listening to my audiobook which doesn't happen very often you know I keep I I will snigger laugh chuckle to yeah. myself but this was a, like an audible ha 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 it's not what I sound like when I laugh everyone knows what I sound like when I laugh but anyway here I was lying on a sidewalk in historical New Orleans with my boobs hanging out of my dress, my hair coming down, my sandals on my arm, and a large tiger licking my face. (laughs) Just the fact that she jumped over the wall and her boobs fell out is just so hilarious to me. (laughs) So relatable as well. She did not super glue her nipples. She needs to invest in some. I'm going to keep saying it. She needs to get some appropriate she does. Or, you know, wear some spangly pasties or something underneath. She needs to shield her nips. Oh, a couple of stitches into the, of the dress, into the bra. Oh, she tucks. wasn't wearing a bra in this case. Well, that's her downfall. Suki, you need to think about really these do. things. You need to plan your boobs falling out. Especially if she is bosomed. If she is very she bosomy. Is. You need to have... So how how does she not have... If you're very bosomy, you need support. I mean, the dress was really tight. So maybe they're hoping that however tight the dress was, it was hoisting... The bosom. There is no dress that would ever do that for my bosom. I don't even... And if there was, that would be like a feat of engineering and have to be put in the Yeah, I don't even have to do, to do anything. I Well, I think there is no bosom. There's none. There is none bosom. A scant amount of bosom. Give some to you. Thank you. Oh. <sighs> I mean, I'm not even wearing a bra right now, and I look like a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> anyway. I am wearing a bra. I look like a big... <laughs> you do look like a big bosom. So- sometimes, if my top's low enough and I look down, all I can see is... I mean, boobs. I've seen your boobs several times when we're recording. I mean, not yeah. the whole thing, but I've seen lots of bosom. 
the nip will always be a mystery. I'm fine with that. you got to have some secrets. That's a good secret to keep from one another. Nipple secrets. <laughs> I need to share my last quote. Yes, which please. is a callback years ago now to another book that we read and enjoyed. The Monstrumologist. I still smell that book. But I really, really appreciated that Suki said to herself, Snap two, Suki! And I loved it because we said snap two, Will Henry, so many times in that episode. So, snap two, Suki. Snap two, Suki. I love it. Suki. No. <laughs> Not no. anymore, mate. Done. Not anymore. Dunsies. Get out. If you liked this, try this. Let's move on. I'm struggling with vampire-related recommendations. We have. We, we talk about vampires 98% of the time on this show. And I was like, oh, what have we got that's based in Oh, New that's Orleans? fun. Okay. Interview with the vampire. Interview the vampire. No. Mina and the undead. Too obvious. Nope, already done it. Again, already done that this year. (laughs) Ooh, but we loved Mina. Oh, and we can't wait for the next Mina. It's coming soon. Mina's, yes, Mina is brilliant, but I've already, already, I mean, to be fair, we're recommending it right now. We are. Shock, everyone. Shock. We're excited that Amy McCaw's next Mina book is coming out. Mina and the Slayers, coming soon. September coming anywho um i'm going to recommend the beautiful by renee adi now i do have the first three the fourth one is due out this year can't remember what it's called probably because i haven't got my pre-order yet probably that is why probably but the beautiful is the first one so in 1872, New Orleans is a city ruled by the dead. But to 17-year-old Celine Rousseau, New Orleans provides her a refuge after she's forced to flee her life as a dressmaker in Paris. Taken in by the sisters of the Ursuline convent along with six other girls, Celine quickly becomes enamoured with the vibrant city from the music to the food to the soirees and especially to mm. the danger. She soon becomes embroiled in the city's glitzy world, known as La Cour de Lyon, after catching the eye of the group's leader, the enigmatic Sebastien Saint-Germain. When the body of one of the girls from the convent is found in the lair of La Cour de Lyon, Celine battles her attraction to him and suspicion about Sebastien's guilt, along with the shame of her own horrible secret. When more bodies are discovered, each crime more gruesome than last. Celine and New Orleans become gripped by the terror of a serial killer on the loose, one Celine is sure has set in her in her sights, and who may be even the young man who has stolen her heart. As the murders continue to go unsolved, Celine takes matters into her own hands and soon uncovers something even more shocking. An old feud from the darkest creatures of the underworld reveals the truth about Celine. She has always suspected summoned just beneath the Ooh. surface. Dun, dun, dun. I think it really sounds really good. I've had it on my shelf for ages. It's a long time yeah, TBR. Well, like I said, I got the other, the first three. The fourth is due out this year. 
And it's I believe it is due out next year. It is called The Ruined, and Goodreads said expected publication is 2023. That's why the pre-order I like is yeah. not active. Well, there you go. Maybe I'll get it read before it comes out. Who can, Who can say? say? I've just had an idea about next year's Vampire Book Club, though, by the way. Ooh. Save it for later, me. Save it for when we're not recording and the video's unedited. Okay. So mine, I didn't go vampire. And I really, I feel like I've talked about this book before, but I searched through our old episode notes and I didn't see it. So I might have just said it out loud several times, but didn't actually ever share it. To be fair, the theme of this week... Is accidentally talking about something we've already talked about before? It's fine. It is, we can't, we, it is, it is memory loss. Memory loss. That's better than what I just said. Um, so what I'm suggesting, this book has been out for a while. It's a series of four, and I read them all, and I really, really enjoyed them. And they feature a were-tiger. This book is called Need by Carrie Jones. There's lots of interesting were creatures in this one, but one of them happens to be a tiger, which, you know, we kind of have a thing for were tigers. So here's another one. <sighs> Zara White suspects there's a freaky guy semi stalking her. She's also obsessed with phobias. And it's true. She hasn't exactly been herself since her stepfather died, but. Exiling her to Shivery, Maine to live with her grandmother? That seems a bit extreme. The move is supposed to help her stay sane, but Zara's pretty sure her mom just can't deal with her right now. She couldn't be more wrong. Turns out the semi-stalker is not a figment of Zara's overactive imagination. In fact, he's still following her leaving behind an eerie trail of gold dust. There's something not right, not human, in this sleepy main town, and all signs point to Zara. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I like it a lot. No vampires, though. Do we have... Well, we can't have any do we have an indie We do have an indie spotlight, and this one just came to us a few days ago. Um, it doesn't really have anything to do with anything that we've been talking about in this episode. You know, there's no tenuous links. But I think it sounds really fun. It's called Evangeline's Heaven by Jen Broxma. This is a debut book. And this book comes out August 30th. So it's not out yet. So everyone can look for it, pre-order it, get it while you can. When Lucifer departs on a desperate mission in his war against God, he leaves his daughter, Evangeline, to defend their home in first heaven. Fiercely loyal and trained to fight, Evangeline stands ready to do her father's bidding against the class of angels her mother belonged to. But a crisis of faith changes everything. 
For the first time in her life, she begins to question. Are her father's motives pure? Is her half-breed heritage as abhorrent as she thought? Is her archenemy, Michael, actually cute? With the fate of the heavens hanging in the balance, Evangeline must decide who she's going to be. So there's another summary on Goodreads. It's quite a bit longer than the one that we got here from um, the PR person who's representing this book, Erin Nicole. So mm. this other one is all about war in the seven heavens, and it just sounds really great. And Gabriel is forming a plan to destroy Lucifer, and Michael's involved, and there's a key to the kingdom, and like power of God and control of things, and it just sounds... We've we never covered an angel book. We have book. not covered an angel book. So I think we might have to put this we on our schedule. We need to have an Angels and Demons. <gasps> theme, right. Where's we the We need a theme. It needs to be angels. 2023 theme ideas. It's all Good. So far we've only got one thing on <laughs> Well, I think this one sounds... Now we have two. I think this one sounds really great. I'm excited. That now we're creating a theme for her next year. So we can talk about it potentially. Who knows? Well, then the author's just going to have to come on yeah. to justify it. Anyway, that excitement aside, that is it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss Teen Killers Club by Lily Sparks. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com fictionalhangover. Remember, any tier of Patreon gets you this vampire book club video. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no ER. If you'd like this episode, check out our others, a rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>